calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to We Stand Together. We Stand Together is a pop culture academic symposium, and you're listening to the pop culture professors. That's right. We are smart people. These are dumb topics. Mm-hmm. And to be very clear, <laughs> I am a very real life professor who has been grading nonstop for the past six days. It is final season, everyone. So if you know a teacher in, in, out there, just check on them because... <laughs> I don't think many of us have seen daylight in a while. We, we're just we're just chained to our desk grading right now. So just check check on the teachers in your life. Make sure and they're speaking okay. Speaking of not seeing daylight, you are in fact in a closet right now. Yes, I'm still in my closet. It's still the quietest place in my apartment. It's still the safest place in my apartment. Um, but you know, I've got a little bit of leg room, and that's okay. That's you're, all you need. All you need in great. life is a little bit of leg room. Uh-huh. We are. I think we are doing. I still got great. my hamper I think desk. We are. <laughs> like things haven't gotten worse in the past week since we last r- dropped an episode. So I think that is something Absolutely. to celebrate. Things haven't gotten worse. So the show is called We Stand Together. Stand meaning to be a huge fan of. And as we are professors, we like to explain the vocab each week. Yes. Let me tell you what we're mm-hmm. currently standing. So Lauren, what are you currently yeah. standing? Well, I'm currently standing a brand new show on Netflix. It came out just a few days ago. I've already finished the entire first season, and that is Sweet Magnolias. It is just, it is, I am the key demographic. Let me tell you what, I love nothing more than like a 
middle-aged woman divorce story. <laughs> you know, I love a middle-aged lady getting divorced and starting her life over and getting a hotter husband. Right. Um, and that's really what's at the heart of this show. And I love that. That sounds perfect. And it stars one of our faves, yes? It stars a bunch of people we really like. But yes, Joanna Garcia is at the helm of this project and it's just well, great. Garcia has been someone we've specifically been rooting for since Reba and we since have. her 35 yeah. different one season shows since then. Well, and she's kind of playing Reba ah, in this series because it's great. And that's why I was like, we got to, I couldn't fall. I didn't sleep. I literally started it around 8 45 PM and just stayed up until I was done. I just didn't go to sleep till I finished wow, the season. It's amazing. That's that. Well, what are you? What are you standing well, right now? This week, uh, the National Theater released a um, recording of Streetcar mm-hmm. Named Desire, starring Gillian Anderson, filmed in 2015. Oh, wow. Huge, huge week. Huge week. And I watched it air quotes live, which was 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. our time, 7 p.m. UK time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> with the fellow stands, and that's actually what I'm really, really standing is my fellow Jillian stands. Uh, they are all 20 year old British lesbians. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love watching her do a QA where, like, someone with the Twitter name, like, Alien Baby Mama 6969, tries to formulate a yeah. question about actors' motivation in a Tennessee Williams play. I love that. It, it was just a great great three hours spent watching it and it's going to be a great future with the stands online man it really it's been a huge week for stands of like art and theater there have been a lot of announcements um i'm you know for anyone who's been following along with us on social media kate and i have made our live streaming debut and we live streamed we live streamed a stream of a concert recording from 2015 mm-hmm. of the show within a show bombshell from the 2012 TV show Smash. If that sounds convoluted, it absolutely it is. But that's is. the most succinct description of it I've heard yet. You you did a great job. Thank you. I've been practicing since I woke up this morning. Uh, but we do need to address some huge news. After our live stream of this concert, uh, the next morning, the literal very next morning, they announced that Smash is heading for Broadway. Now, Lauren, from what you just said, my thought would be, well, it must be Bombshell, the musical within the show that's headed to Broadway. Am I right? You are oh. incorrect. They are adapting the television show into a musical and it is a direct result of our live stream because i think i really think they were going to announce bombshell but then we discovered bombshell is a bad musical and i think they go they're right we're gonna we're just gonna do smash instead because lauren and caitlin have the correct opinions on art thank you smash producers for watching for listening and for learning yeah uh we're excited to announce we are going to be hosting an alternative to the Tonys since the Tonys are not being aired this summer they're doing a Grease sing-along and frankly that's offensive to us so stay tuned follow us on social media for details about our live stream for the uh, alternate Tonys yes. hosted by Bits and Bricks and we always stand five star reviews and oh, Lauren do. you found a great one from Shell Shell says I'm a former college professor who is also obsessed with pop culture I agree that Pacey is the goat this is getting me through quarantine. Thanks. Wow. 
No, thank you, Shell, because when I read that, I was like, there are good people left in the world. Finding out that other people recognize the talent of Pacey Witter, the art of Pacey Witter, the beauty of Pacey Witter, that is what gets me through and to quarantine. to be honest, it caused me to up my game for this episode because finding out there's a college mm-hmm. professor who's also obsessed with pop culture out there, like, I could be replaced at any second. Yeah. We can't sit on our laurels. People could come for us literally at any moment, and we have to be ready for that. Um... Also, I do want to take just a brief moment to request if anyone listening knows Joshua Jackson, who played Pacey Witter, please slide into our DMs. Please email us at westandsocialgmail.com because his birthday is looming Mm -hmm. on the horizon. And Caitlin and I have been threatening for years to throw him a birthday party. And this is the year we're really going to do it. We're really going to do it. We're going to do an entire Joshua Jackson themed episode and if anyone knows where he's currently sheltering in place so we can make contact, we would love that. Yeah. Connection. And we know he recently just had a baby daughter and maybe that's taking up some of his time, but it can't be all of it. Can't be all of it. Can't be all of it. Anyways, I just want to put that out there. Um, but I'm so excited about oh our guest today. I literally, Kate and I have been texting all week about how excited we are about this episode because our guest today is just the most fun. She's absolutely delightful, and please welcome to the pod, Gina Bloom. Hi! Oh my God, I could never live up to that that very warm introduction. I I, I don't know if I'm really that delightful. <laughs> well, you, we'll reassess. I find you utterly. Please do. Please do. <laughs> we will use your we'll academic you know. your, your academic skills to reassess my delightfulness. I have a delight rubric, so I'll let you know what your score <laughs> is at the wonderful. end. Uh, but Gina, one of the things that I was so excited about talking with you today is that you have someone that you stand hard. Oh you yeah, a, you, absolutely. Um, and I would love to hear about your 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 standum. My standum. Uh, it is not just because Stan appears in his last name, but <laughs> it, is, it is by no means a disqualifying feature. I stand. The lovely Lakeith Stanfield. Amazing. And I have stand him since uh, short term 20. And um, that makes me an original. That makes me an OG Lakeither right there because I think that may have been his first movie. <laughs> Is Lakeither um, the, the technical term for a stand? I I, th- I believe I just uh, coined that. I'm in. I think. Okay. I think, I'm I think, in. I, I want a t shirt. made up a, a name for a, a Lakeith Stanfield stand. I guess a stand stand would also. Um, could also possibly work. Uh, I think he's great, though. I think he's like I think he's like the the sexy Tom Hanks for a new generation. I think I think he portrays decency and is like hot about it. <laughs> mm. um, I love and you the can phrase see him in, "hot about it," and it makes he sense. is hot. He 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 makes decency hot. Uh, <laughs> look at I don't know I don't know if you watch uh, the show Atlanta and he plays mm-hmm. he plays you know a very very character character mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. he has an accent and he's he's very much the comic relief but like and he you know is constantly super super high but like even through <laughs> all that he still comes across as like the moral compass of the show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sure and i i think that's just part of his like unique quality and i'm glad to see him you know getting those lead roles he just had a role with Issa Rae this year uh right before oh, the quarantine yeah. right did that movie come out or did it, it came out, but like came out right before quarantine. So like yeah. anything that came out during that time basically just got smashed. Is that photograph? But, but it, it is out on streaming now. And um, 
Yeah. The photograph. I, I, the photograph, the photograph. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I am. I am very much uh, a fan of Lakeith, a stan of Lakeith, and I. I look I forward that. to watching him grow. He's a young guy. He uh, is. He's done yeah. so much. He's real young. Yeah, and he's and he appears in small roles, like he has a a key role, a small but key role in in Get Out. Uh, and pivotal role, yeah. Pivotal role, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he has maybe the most expressive eyes. He absolutely in the game right now. He was also yeah. in a movie that I discussed on this podcast that I didn't like. Someone great, hmm. but I mentioned loved him and found him hot. Yeah, he well, <laughs> you know, not all he can't. He can't necessarily raise all boats to float. Hey, but like he can. He, he got it closer. Everything he's it was away from the wreckage. The movie. <laughs> it was away. The movie from was the bad. Wall. Yes, he, the movie was bad, but he was hot about he it. He was hot about it. He was hot about it being a bad movie, and yeah. And you know what I'm hot about? I'm hot about today's oh theme. I am hot about the theme we are about to dig into. Gina pitched this theme, and we were like, "Yes, yes of course. Why? Why haven't we talked about that before?" Today, we're talking about backdoor mm-hmm. pilots. Caitlin, for our stands out there who don't know what a backdoor pilot is, what is a backdoor pilot? So a backdoor pilot, you may know a pilot of a television show is the first episode, but a backdoor pilot is a pilot that appears as a regular episode of a long-running successful television series that focuses on new characters or familiar characters on a new journey. But it's not the same as a spinoff, okay? It's not like Frasier, mm-hmm. who was a longtime character on Cheers, and then after Cheers ended, had his own show. That's its own thing, a spinoff. Backdoor pilot is something that is conceived to be launched within a series like we're not even going to notice, but we always do. And, you know, we always like to let you, our audience, understand what our credentials are to speak on a topic. So, Caitlin, what are your credentials? What gives you the prowess to speak on this so eloquently? is unique this week because it's actually uh, based in a career (laughs) that I'm trying to pursue. I auditioned Mm. to be Dwight Schrute's younger sister on The Farm, which was uh, a backdoor (laughs) pilot for a spinoff of The Office that never happened. And I did not book it. Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) I do see the connection. Um. Gina, do you have any credentials that give you, you know, feelings of, uh, you know, being able to speak to backdoor yeah, pilots? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was, I was, a, I was a tiny, tiny kid, uh, mm-hmm. and I was very much uh, a stand of the facts of life mm. uh, mm. in in constant reruns. And I remember like an episode toward the end of the run where basically Blair Warner becomes the new Edna Garrett to a new generation of girls at the school. Oh, wow. And like, it just be, and like, but like that doesn't happen. (laughs) Like, like that, that, like that totally happens within the series, but then they promptly forget about it. And then the show revamps into this whole thing with Cloris Leachman and they, they run a a funky store or something like that. pops up, Of course. But they had this other thing where they were going to make Blair, the new Edna Garrett and like young Juliet Lewis was on it. And I remember wow. this having like this whole, oh, yeah. this whole like little like world created in the space of like this 20 minute episode. 
And then it just disappeared. disappeared. And the characters <laughs> act like it never happened. I am so glad you brought that up because we didn't have anything formal to talk about the facts of life. But I did in my research find out that the facts of life was like one of the most egregious abusers of the backdoor pilot. They had a bunch that went nowhere. Yeah. And we're all suffering from that trauma till this day of learning to love something and it going away. Um, I have to be honest, this was one of the hardest weeks for me to think of what my credentials were. I was literally still workshopping my credentials with Caitlin until moments before we hit record. And she asked me this really smart question. She said, well, what about your your life? What's happened in your life? And I thought, you know what? Becoming a professor in my life is actually a backdoor pilot because <laughs> it happened so accidentally. I had been a TA in grad school. But then when I graduated, I, I wasn't teaching, but I was really, really, really into improv, like really into improv post-grad and doing a lot of UCB stuff. And I was at a UCB New Year's Eve party and I mentioned that I missed teaching and a girl who I met that night goes, my college is hiring. And I go, where do you teach? And she goes, QCC. And I said, is Georgia still the chair? And she said, yeah. And I said, oh, I know Georgia. She goes, oh, we're hiring. Send your information. And so I did. And Georgia, I had worked with the chair of my department um, when I was an undergrad and she remembered me. So I ended up getting hired before they even placed the ad, all because of a connection that happened at a UCB party. And so it kind of feels like a backdoor pilot because then I kind of started to, you know, I was still had a foot in the door with that group of, of friends. But like I, I had this new chapter that I was in. And so I feel like I, I got to be the star of my own back <laughs> That pilot. is very sitcom-y that you just said I miss teaching <laughs> and then she said my friend's uh, school is hiring. That is the, yeah. that was like the classic backdoor <laughs> pilot like plot line where like some character pops out of nowhere and says let me introduce you to this brand new world. Yeah. And whisk it's... you away to this new setting. <laughs> That so, is completely un I, is completely unfamiliar to everything that's been set up before that. <laughs> that is a true backdoor pilot right there. You backdoor pilot of your life. And you're a successful Thank you so much. series because you're. Yeah. My series is still going and the original has been. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're so, living the Frasier to your previous cheers and I, and I, am, thank I, you. I am there for it. Well, I feel like it's time to put Gina's knowledge to the test. Obviously, being able to recount the very specific facts of life backdoor pilot that you just remembered. Yeah. Makes me think that you're going to yeah. be very good at our first I game. I feel good about this. Caitlin. What's our, our first, first game? first game is called Front Door or Back Door. <laughs> I'm going to give you the name of a long-running, successful show, and you are going to tell me if it came in the front door, i.e. had its own normal pilot, or the love back it. door. Love it, love it. Lassie. Oh, wow. Um, that's a crazy <laughs> reference. Um, I've never seen an episode of Lassie before in my life. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say front door because I can't imagine, but I could be wrong. It came in the front door. You are right. But I like imagining something where it was a dog on a different series. <laughs> I do love this idea. Yes. Where there's like, there's like, all right. All right, dog. You're going to live with this little kid now. <laughs> you, you, I were, you were in the army before, but now you're going to live with this little kid. I hope someone angrily writes in that it was a backdoor pilot that Lassie had actually been a secondary character on I another series. My research is incorrect. And shout out to our second <laughs> Cloris Leachman reference of the day because she did play the mom on Lassie for a while. All right. Number two, The Andy Griffith Show. 
Oh, um, golly. Uh, I'm going to say that was that was a backdoor pilot. It That's was. That shot me ding, ding, ding. from the Danny Thomas show. Yeah, I, I didn't like I just kind of vaguely aware of that. My my dad um, was a big Andy Griffith fan, watched Matlock and Aww. Andy Griffith show. So I I as a child, I knew more about the oeuvre of Andy Griffith than, <laughs> than any other child probably should. <laughs> Empty Nest. Empty Nest is a backdoor pilot. Uh, uh, I remember that episode, actually. Yes, a wild episode of The Golden Girls, which stars yes. none of the people that went on to be on Empty Nest. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because um, I live in... I live in LA now, so so I, I'm required by law to, to to drop my entertainment industry connections. I actually had <laughs> uh, dinner with uh, one of the head writers on the Golden Girls. Oh my god! <gasps> yeah, uh, he's he's a friend. Uh, he's actually he's, he's not near close friends. He's a, he's a real friend. He's he's always retired. But he was telling me about the story about how when they were doing Empty Nest, that he was in a rivalry with one of the producers, <gasps> and like they were. So there's like this long running practical joke on Empty Nest where his son appears in every episode or in or nearly every episode. And if you string all those clips together, it's like a, it's like a little short film. Huh? Ah. Wow. So, so apparently that happened. So, yeah. Amazing. That's, and that's why I know about Empty Nest. And Empty Nest, the backdoor pilot oh. episode had Rita Marino in it. Oh, yeah. Wow. Look at that. Right. We're learning. We're Oh, my God. We're learning so much. All right. Everybody loves Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. I'm going to say that one in the front door. It did. But it feels like it could have mm-hmm. been a backdoor. It feels like it could have been. Yeah. Just, I think the title kind of gives a, a, a backdoor feel mm-hmm. like like Raymond was someone else. Yeah, and like, like, who are we? Mm-hmm. Why, why do we care about Raymond? Why do we care about yeah. Raymond? I don't know. Everybody loves him. <laughs> That's though. the show right. I want to see. Why do we care about the Raymond? The Soul Man. I don't even know what that is. I'm going to say backdoor because I don't know what that is. It is a backdoor pilot from hot in Cleveland. Betty White's <laughs> second appearance on this list. It oh, stars wow. Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, it's a very recent one within the last 10 years. Yeah. One of the more recent versions of this that I could find. I'd actually thought that backdoor pilots were a thing of the past, but I didn't even realize that there's a whole genre of television like the the DC shows, like the Arrowverse, Uh, yeah, they call right, and they do backdoor pilots all the time. Yes, they're like running constantly, constantly running backdoor pilots because they have like seven shows now. Yeah, that's all they have. Apparently, apparently, the art form is thriving. These days, <laughs> we've got our finger on the pulse here. We stand <laughs> we <do>. together. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Melrose Place. Speaking uh, of the pulse, oh, Melrose Place. Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I, I know. Obviously, it's a spinoff of, of 90210. I, I'm gonna say, it started as a backdoor. It did. It did. Jake yeah. was Kelly's oh. love interest. Oh, that's Isn't right. It? You've yeah. gotten every single one right. You are on such a hot wow. streak. Don't. No pressure. Um, no pressure. Benson. Benson, uh, that was a spinoff of Soap. Uh, I'm going to stay backdoor pilot. Not really. It was it was a spinoff, but not but a backdoor it have, pilot. It did not have a backdoor. So that's 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 the that's the ac- that's the academic in mm-hmm. in in the we stand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is there is a distinction. Yes, I yeah. I I know that they were from the same tree, but I didn't know if they. Mm-hmm. From the same brand. Yeah. If you showed your work, we'd get we'd give you a half credit. 
We'll give you oh, partial credit. Test. Partial credit. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, I will say front door. Front door. It was a movie adaptation. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Mark and Mindy. Mark and Mindy, uh, backdoor pilot from Happy Days. Correct. A dream yes. Richie Cunningham had. <laughs> <laughs> the laziest backdoor pilot there could be. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Xena, Warrior Princess. Uh, backdoor mm-hmm. from Hercules. Correct. Yes. Wow. Oh, we have to. Amazing have to stuff. Golf. That was amazing. Gina, you may be one of our most confident players ever. N- not to trash talk our just trash guests, talk but you really we don't trash need them. You we have Gina them. now. <laughs> You just came in and you and you kicked ass and you didn't apologize for it and that's why I stand. And you, well, Gina. thank yeah. you. I mean, that was almost too much for me. I need a break. <laughs> Let's go to commercial. All right, and we are back. Mm-hmm. We are we're coming in from the back door and we are ready that's to. Right. <laughs> dive into your thesis caitlin caitlin what are you presenting on this all evening? right so this is like not one of my core standums whatsoever but i discovered this episode of television when planning for the show and i really thought that it did show something that i i want to discuss which is my my overall thesis is that backdoor pilots expose what creators think is appealing about their show. And we'll explore whether they're right or wrong. So I am going to use the show Kelly's Kids, which was a backdoor <laughs> pilot from the mega hit, The Brady Bunch. Now, I am not huh. a Brady Bunch stan. Um, I, I know it's for other people. It's just, it's slightly generationally missed me, like too young to watch it originally. And then it just didn't get it in syndication. I know it, but it's it's not like my thing. Um, okay. So in season five, 1974, they do a backdoor pilot, which is going to focus on the neighbors of the Brady Bunch, who I believe we've never met before. <laughs> <laughs> or will you ever see them ever again? Absolutely I'm sure. not, because this does not go. Uh, it stars as the husband, Ken Barry, who I do love and stand. I was so excited to find out he was in this. Ken Barry is sort of part of the larger Carol Burnett verse. He was on the show and he would go on to be a series regular on Mama's Family playing Venton. And it stars Brooke Bundy as the wife. I am not as familiar with her. Apparently, she has a large role in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Congrats to Brooke Bundy for that. But (laughs) what they thought they were going to have is a sitcom dynasty through Kelly's kids, where they play Mike and Carol's neighbors who adopt three sons of, I hope everyone is sitting down, three different races. Wow. <laughs> so mind blown. So clearly <laughs> it's the Brangelina of their time. Thank God clearly I was sitting what down. Sherwood Schwartz thought was popular about the Brady Bunch was just mm-hmm. we had three girls, three boys combined to make a family. Okay, gender, gender, <laughs> gender. What's another thing? Race. <laughs> Let's do three races. Got it. We got another show. And interestingly, this is the only episode that is credited 
to Sherwood Schwartz besides the pilot, which means, and that is, I am sure, for WGA rules for him to get the most money it, when Kelly's Kids, in his mind, goes on to be a mini-season yeah. mega hit. And also just the base, like, he thought, okay, Brady Bunch, alliteration, Kelly's Kids, we're done, let's print it. Let's have a last name that's meaningless to the audience, uh, and then just a word for a group of children. And we've got it. So I'm just going to take you through the pilot, this episode. Okay. It's, okay. <laughs> it's our, our, our heroes, the Kellys, are having breakfast with the Bradys, the parents. Mm-hmm. By the way, only three Bradys speak in this entire episode. And there are famously eight Bradys. Mm. So they got a week off. Congrats. I hope they still got paid. <laughs> So they announced that they are adopting, which I guess we're like supposed to be surprised. We've never met them before, so <laughs> we have no <laughs> idea how they have ever felt about having a child. So they adopt Matt from an orphanage. Matt is white. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently played by Bobby Brady's real little brother. Hmm. Right. Interesting. So okay. Matt is loving it, being adopted. Uh, they've got a bedroom for him. They've got a truly amazing maritime-themed <laughs> wallpaper. Okay. Um, now, someone who doesn't like it is Mrs. Payne. Now, I am not enough of a Brady Bunch stand to know if Mrs. Payne is a regular neighbor on the show, but something she hilariously does is come over and announce that she notices they have a child now, and she says... She doesn't like children. Now, keep in mind, she also lives on the same street as the Brady Bunch. (laughs) And this has never bothered her before. (laughs) But all of a sudden, then she says, and this is weird, you're in show business. And he says he has a nightclub act, which Ken Berry was a big song and dance man in Vegas. So clearly they got him to be a part of the show because they're like, we're going to let you Mm -hmm. do dances and stuff. Never comes to fruition because the show never happens. There is a moment I could not find a great usable clip of it where around minute seven, the Brady Bunch theme music is used as dramatic scoring when Matt says he misses his friends at the orphanage. So uh, Mrs. Kelly calls Carol Brady to discuss what to do about having a sad kid. And Carol Brady reminds Mrs. Kelly that siblings are a thing. Because that's Mrs. Brady. She stays on game. She has a bunch of kids. Uh Her solution Uh is have a bunch of kids. So they go Uh to the orphanage because they're looking for Dwayne and Steve, the two kids that they've heard are worth saving. And they don't know until the big reveal. Well, baby, these kids are not white. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, pretty nutso. But they decide to love them anyway. Which is huge. Oh, God. Oh, God. They take them home. And Ken Berry does, te- does indeed teach them to do a song and dance act for no reason. <gasps> While no. Mrs. Kelly calls Carol Brady to discuss whether this has been a good decision. At which point, Carol Brady, Florence Henderson, calls them the Kelly Rainbow. No. Oh, no. my goodness. Yep. And keep in mind, this is someone in support of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And their word for Asian American isn't great. Um, 
No. <laughs> but they are not the bad guy. The bad guy is again Mrs. Payne, who now she's been snooping. She notices there's two. Of course, absolutely, <laughs> she's been snooping. And so let's hear the Kelly Kids track from Mrs. Oh, God. Oh, hi. Uh, Mr. Kelly, I see you now have several children. Three altogether. Of uh, various colors, one might say. You just did. <laughs> Mind you, I'm not a bigot. I believe that blacks and yellows, everybody oh, has a place God. in our society. Oh, I, no. Mr. Payne and I even managed to be cordial to the Shapiros on the next block. It's very generous of you. <laughs> we try. Oh. Nevertheless, three small boys are apt to be destructive, especially the minorities. <laughs> Congratulations, Mrs. Payne. You have my vote for neighbor of the year. I consider that remark uncalled for. If nobody calls for it in 30 days, it's all yours, baby. <laughs> oh my God. Just any reactions to that uh, clip by Mrs. Payne? I, I am shook to my very core. I. The thing is. <laughs> I hate it. This this character's opinions are rebuked in the episode, but to just lay bare with really no context and no discussion of everything she says is wild. Oh my god! Sometimes you think that the world hasn't made progress, and then you're reminded we have. And then Mrs. Payne, at least a little, Mrs. Payne knocks on the door and is like, "Here's eight horrible things." Um, but it is so Mr. Kelly weird that the show didn't get picked up. It is odd. It's um, weird. Mr. Kelly weird returns that Kelly's- to Mrs. Kelly, and they discuss their disgust with Mrs. Payne. But Dwayne and Steve overhear, and they think that they're causing trouble, so they run away. But they don't get very far. They go to the Brady's house, and. Greg Brady, uh, who's coming home seemingly just drunk, <laughs> like, like he's coming home from a party just lit, and he discovers <laughs> these kids and is like, what? And um, he's like, yeah, I, I, I just come inside the Brady house. And um, basically, that's it. It's just straightened out. Like the Kellys come over and like, oh, no, you, you misunderstood. And they're like, oh, OK, that's fine. So we're all a family. They're like, great. Uh, Alice wakes up and is completely confused why strange people are in her home. And that is just completely played for laughs because uh, the working class has no rights still, no matter what. (laughs) Alice does not deserve to feel safe in her own home. Uh, The Brady's buy the Kelly's a copy of the Three Musketeers, which the boys call themselves all the time. The boys then color... Uh, the book with crayons um, to make each musketeer in their mind uh, representative of their different races. So beyond all the obvious reasons so why many... this is horrible, like it does completely, like Sherwood Schwartz completely missed what is anyway engaging or fun about the Brady Bunch, which is like people like the interaction of the characters. And the problems that arise are the problems of like you know, playing football in the house. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and this is like, we're exposed to hatred. We have no conflicts. No one has to overcome anything other than just literally an overheard misunderstanding from an eight-year-old. So um, it was bad. It kind of made me like the Brady's more. Honestly, every time the Brady's were on screen, I was like, these guys got it. They know what's up. <laughs> That's right. This is a, this is the comedy institution, not these not these damn, not these whatever, these... these Song and dance folk. I don't think I heard anything you said after he taught them a dance number. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that DHS wasn't there immediately to save those children from a life of forced and performance. And I found an interview with Ken Berry from 2012 uh, talking about... Um, he was really sad this didn't get picked up. He thought it was great. And he is wrong, but Ken Berry did deserve <laughs> to be the lead of his own sitcom, and I'm sorry he never got that, but I'm happy it wasn't this. Wow. Yeah. Gina, I'm curious, Gina, is there anyone that you think never got to be the lead of a sitcom that you're still angry that they're, you're like, they deserve to be lead of a sitcom? Oh, yeah, uh, I'm sure. Um, and Ken Berry passed away, by the way. So it's, it is done. I'm not just calling that. Yeah. It's done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's been, it's been a little while since Mama's family. So, yeah, that, that does track. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that, well, the problem is, is that I don't know. Like, they, like there may be, there's been so many TV shows that I, I haven't caught. I would love for you to be like, this person this deserved person one. D- definitely didn't get, like, a- like, their leading role. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, like what I would like to see, though, is like this alternate version where these actors that started in sitcoms and then went on to much bigger things, mm. what they would have done with their own leading sitcom. Wow! Like, like, like if Jennifer Lawrence, yes, oh. hadn't hadn't gone on from the big Engvall, sh- the Bill Engvall show, and become like the biggest star of like the two thousand tens. Yes, for a little while. What if she had? just got her own TBS sitcom. Like, what, what would that have? That's what I like about this topic, not this horribly mm. racist Brady Bunch uh, thing, but, like, <laughs> the topic in general, it gives me, like, like the opportunity to speculate. Uh, on the topic of this horrible thing, um, it kind of, like, felt to me like they were trying to do, like, a Norman Lear thing. Like, they were Amazing trying to address... you bring that up, because... In this episode, Mrs. Kelly, after hearing about the racist rant we were just subjected to by Mrs. Payne, says yeah. she makes Archie Bunker sound like a liberal. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's what they were trying to do. Like, hey, that that Archie Bunker, that people like that show. What if we take what if we take the Brady's and mix them with the Archie Bunker show? That's that's magic right there. That's that's Hollywood gold, baby. And it was certainly not. And also, I just wanted to point out a small thing, which was that Matt, the first kid to be adopted, who was white, the entire time wore a Washington Redskins jacket, which I was like, (laughs) wow, how did you just manage to squeak in some more racism? (laughs) Even the costume department was on it. (laughs) Yeah, but you're exactly right. It just doesn't work. There's two lanes. You know, there's the socially conscious messy yeah. sitcom and then there's literally the brady bunch and, right and, and you can't go in between it does not work yeah it, that's 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 just that's that's a shit sandwich there you cannot do that but but apparently sherwood schwartz and and ken berry thought they had the magic and, and it, it is on hulu folks if you'd like to check it out <laughs> oh oh boy. yeah well I think 
I need to go check it out real quick. So we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to go watch it on Hulu and we'll be right back. All right, and we are back. That was hard to watch. Uh, I can't believe I did that to myself. Uh, yeah, we're going to pretend like that didn't happen. And we're going to move on to game number two. Uh, I'm very excited about this next game. This next game is called Gina Blooms. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gina, congratulations. You've been invited to a totally real and not at all imaginary pitch session oh. where you will have the chance to pitch yourself into a backdoor pilot. The twist, you have to do it right now, totally off the cuff. Uh, I have uh, a couple of currently airing TV shows, right. and I want you to come up with a way to introduce yourself as a new character that will take the lead in their expanded universe. Love it. Uh, okay, so the first one, and I know you um, on the break, Gina mentioned that she hasn't really been keeping up with network television, so I have descriptions for these shows okay. just in case you don't know them. Uh, but the first one is apparently one of the number one television series in America, and that is This Is Us on NBC, mm -hmm. which is a series, if you don't know it, that follows the lives of siblings, Kevin, Kate, and Randall, known as the Big Three, and their parents, Jack and Rebecca Pearson. And it takes place mainly in the present, but uses a lot of flashbacks to the show's family's past. So, Gina, what would your backdoor pilot look like for a spinoff of This Is Us? All right. So we flash back to the year 2007. Jack is... is uh, <laughs> He's he's driving cross country on 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 a mission he cannot tell his family about. You know he's he's a man of mystery. Uh, he stops uh, at a, at a roadside diner, uh, mm -hmm. and you know he's lost. He doesn't he doesn't know he doesn't know uh, what's going to happen. Uh, he's carrying a box with him, and he cannot d divulge what's inside of it oh because gosh. that's that's part of you know what he's doing. He's delivering this box to some shadowy figures. <laughs> and um, and it's actually, you know, this act, what we find out is that there's actually like a diamond inside of it. But what wow. happens is that, you know, he's feeling bereft and then he is greeted by this waitress uh, at this truck stop played by me. <gasps> uh, and uh, she has she she charms him and revitalizes him and and she makes him realize that this life of crime that he has started to, to go down is the wrong choice so he he leaves the diner goes back to his family and he tips the waitress the diamond <gasps> wow gina this would have been such a good backdoor pilot if jack was in fact alive in 2007 well whatever all right so we flash back to another but I love year it. <laughs> no i love it though i love the i love being tipped a diamond and you playing that waitress i totally. can see it all right i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna green light it i'm gonna green light this this pilot you're you're going into production when did, uh, by the way what, what year did jack die I, i've only seen like two episodes of this show i, I don't remember the exact like uh, where he about. died sometime in the 90s okay well that's even better that's even yeah. better. It, yeah. That's then it's a then it's a period thing. Ooh, yeah. I, I do love that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. Here's the next one. This is a show I have never seen. Uh, but it sounded fun. It's apparently the number one like sitcom in America, and that is CBS's Young Sheldon, which is a spin-off of the Big Bang Theory. Yes. Young Sheldon is about a child genius named Sheldon Cooper. 
and his family. Some unique challenges face Sheldon, who seems socially impaired. It's 1989, and nine-year-old Sheldon Cooper has skipped four grades to start high school along with his less intellectual older brother. How, Gina, are you going to backdoor your way into this show? Oh, this is so easy. All right. <laughs> so so young Sheldon, he, he's invited to space camp. <gasps> uh, he goes to space camp for an episode, and he meets this this uh this genius filipino uh girl uh at space camp and and he he actually forms a bond because you know he's 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 not, he's kind of spectrumy they don't really say it outright i don't think uh, i don't, i haven't seen young sheldon ever but um but he you know he forms this bond in the past with her and he and he imparts to her you know some of his wisdom and they grow together and then we flash forward uh, to 2020, to the uh, to 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 Caltech, uh, <gasps> where uh, Mr. Sheldon Cooper has just moved on, and has left, you know, the the physics department. And who comes in to take his place? No. <gasps> the girl from Space Camp. Oh, obviously that's played by me. Beautiful. I like wow. this show. I'd great watch this show. show. That's a great show. All right, that one's greenlit wow. too. I'm. Okay. I can't wait to see that one. All right, this next show is particularly important to us here at We Stand, and that is ABC's Grey's Anatomy, which if you have been literally closing your eyes and ears and hiding in the most remote parts of the world and you don't know what it is, uh, it's a series that follows the life of Dr. Meredith Grey, played by Ellen Pompeo, the -hmm. daughter of esteemed general surgeon Ellis Grey starting from her acceptance into the surgical residency program at the fictional Gray Sloan Memorial Hospital. It was then called Seattle Grace. Yes. Shout out. It's been 16 seasons and it's going strong. Gina, how do you walk into this world and get your own show? Well, a hospital show, hospital procedural is, you know, a pretty, pretty, pretty ripe environment. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say that uh, Dr. Dr. Meredith Gray is, is treating uh, a glamorous, successful woman uh, that she recognizes, but she can't put her she can't quite put her 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 mind to it. She's like, "Have I seen you before? You look so familiar to me. You look so familiar to me." And and like the doc, the, you know, the the patient knows she's like, "Absolutely, you don't remember mm-hmm. me." Like we we knew. And while while Meredith Gray is treating her her um her Graves disease or or whatever it is, <laughs> whatever the disease of the week is. <laughs> uh, played by me, the patient. Uh, okay. It comes out that uh, what what Doctor uh, Doctor Gray doesn't realize is that she's treating the post transition uh, woman that was a was a boy she dated back <gasps> in medical school. Oh, that that she Whoa. that she titled uh, Doctor uh, McHottie. Uh, and uh, Dr. McHotty uh, dropped out of medical school, is never seen again, uh, transitioned to become a private investigator. Uh, and there you go. It solves medical-related crimes. Oh, my uh, God. With the Seattle Police Department, played by me. Gina, I want to see this show so bad. I'm floored. And it's this called Dr. The- McHotty, obviously. Dr. Oh McHotty, obviously. Wow, I love this so much. And if if they're smart, 
if they are smart, they will take you up on this because Grey's Anatomy is really good at launching series through backdoor well, pilots. And let's shut down production on Station 19 right now. Put all the resources immediately, into immediately. Dr. McCotty. Yeah, we need to stop Station 19. It's not working for me. But I did love Private Practice, which had a great backdoor pilot. Yeah. With Unfortunately, Shepard. the guy who plays Dr. Warren will have to be your assistant because Sean yeah. Grimes is not firing that guy. She loves him. He, she loves him. But we can He's give nice. him. He can. He can be That's a sidekick fine. for a for a for crime solving do- doctor. <laughs> we can. He and I can solve medical crimes in in, in the greater Seattle area. I, absolutely. I love this. And then you can do a crossover episode with Stumptown, uh, and that would be really fun. I mean, for these me shows personally. are all my favorite shows now. Yeah, I love this. All right, we want to do one last one because Gina, I thought it'd only be fair. To hear from you, what television series out there would you most want to insert yourself in through a backdoor pilot and get your own show? Any show on any network. Any show, what is any it? Network. Oh my gosh! On- I assumed it would somehow relate back to Lakeith Stanfield, but I'm not pressuring you. <laughs> can, can I do it? Can I do it? Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, wait, uh, uh, okay. Here we go. All right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna spin off Dead to Me. <gasps> I'm, I'm, nice. I'm going to come Ooh. off dead to me, absolutely, um, because, you know, Christina Applegate is a rageaholic, and she gets into a little <laughs> fender bender yes. and gets into a shouting match uh, with, with, a, with a fellow rageaholic, because <laughs> I, I, I'm normally a really cool customer, but I, on the road, my, my anger is the only place where that, that, wow. like, that flourishes, oh. and, like, that, you know, we, we, we get so angry at each other in this fender bender that uh, that we make out because <laughs> I think I think that, you know, Christelle, like her character has a lot of like has a lot of like uh, sexual tension that she has unresolved. She, I, I think she had in the first season. She had some tension with, you know, her friend. And I, I think she needs that that to play act on her same sex attractions. And then and then, you know, that so affects my character that uh, she moves you know, to uh, to San Diego to start her own, you know, artisanal soap thing and also uh, gets into a hit and run accident with, you know, Lakeith Stanfield's character. And perhaps there's another murder cover up. I don't know. At this point, I'm just spitballing. But I, I'm here I'm for it. it. I, I, I can already tell that you and... Christina would have fierce. We would actually. We would because, yeah. uh, especially no. in in the context of like you know a a, a rage, a road rage <laughs> induced thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the only time yeah. that I get really passionate is when someone fucks with me in the car. Wow. Well, congratulations, Gina. You just had four backdoor pilots greenlit. So <laughs> a, this is I'm your year. This is your this moment. Fall. I cannot wait. It's gonna be huge. Uh, all right. I'm excited now because I I have a thesis that this I there is a backdoor pilot that I think about at least once a week at least and it has haunted me because I think the promise of what this series could have been was so good and today I am presenting you a thesis that audiences are smarter than you think they are but executives are dumber the truth behind why Valley Girls the intended Gossip Girl spinoff didn't work. Now, for anyone who is not familiar with Gossip Girl, it is a show that follows the lives of privileged teenagers on the Upper East Side. 
It was on the CW Network for six seasons from September of 2007 to December of 2012. And it was all about taking a dip in the life of luxury. It had such stars as Blake Lively, Leighton Meester, Penn Bagley, uh, Chase Crawford, Taylor Momsen, Ed Westwick, my personal friend Kelly mm-hmm. Rutherford. Um, and it had one of the funnest concepts for a spinoff. Um, let's roll the promo from the backdoor episode that aired. Had a mugshot taken. Do you know how that feels? If only she knew. Next Monday, it's a totally 80s flashback. Oh, Lily? What are you doing in LA? You got kicked out of boarding school. You're in jail? Hey, Vander, what's it? I'm Lily Rose, and that's my sister. No one treats us this way. Is this the moment where you fall in love with me? Gossip Girl. Valley Girls was the 24th episode of the second season of Gossip Girl. And the concept was that they were going to do a spinoff series called Valley Girls that took place entirely in the 1980s. And it would be centered around um, one of the mothers of the show. Right. So the lead character on Gossip Girl was, was Serena Vanderwoodson and So Valley Girls was supposed to follow her mom as a young woman navigating life. Um, And y'all, I have chills thinking about how good the concept was because it was the 80s and it was giving us Britney Snow as a like young, uh, hot, wealthy teenager trying to figure out how to not live under her parents' thumb. It was giving us Kristen Ritter as Always like an good. 80s mu- musician, kind of Fernando Valley punk, uh, the black sheep of her family. It was serving us Andrew McCarthy as a hot dad. And this was the beginning of the network understanding, like nostalgia casting. Like mm-hmm. this backdoor pilot walked so that Riverdale could run with all the DILF dads. Wow. Like we we have Skeet Ulrich giving me like, vibes on Riverdale because of this. <laughs> and so there were so much there were so much good, right? But unfortunately, according to uh, a review I found by Film School Reject, the overall effect of the episode was disjointed and showed it for what it was, an attempt to shove two shows together in order to save money on a proper pilot. And this this is so true because Gossip Girl, great. This concept, great. What was not great was trying to shove the two things together. And this is where I think we need to give our audiences more credit and not so much credit to executives because I, in my research, I found a bunch of like um, sound bites from the series creators basically saying that they were trying, the, the reason they did a backdoor pilot instead of a full pilot was A, to hook the young audience, but B, it seemed like the network really didn't believe that like, the young demographic watching Gossip Girl could connect to the 80s, that they were afraid it wouldn't feel sexy, that it wouldn't feel cool. And so they were intentionally designing the show to try. So so the plot line of like the backdoor pilot for the 80s era was that Lily has like left boarding school. Her parents um, like she like ran away from boarding school. She goes to flees to L.A. trying to get the attention of her dad and trying and her parents are trying to send her back to boarding school. But she's like, no, I don't want to go to boarding school. I want attention for my family. (laughs) And she falls back in with her sister 
and her sister's trying to make it as her, on her own as a musician or like a music producer. So like there's all this fun family drama. There's music. There's all these hot young people like immediately attracted to each other. There's rich kids, poor kids, other side of the track stuff. It, it's like everything you love in a John Hughes movie, yeah. including Andrew McCarthy. So that's great. They're intercutting it with the Gossip Girl yeah, plotline of like prom and like the 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 through line was supposed to be that Serena and her mom were fighting in present day and so Serena's mom is thinking back to times that she was fighting with her mom but her, it's not really about her mom in the past it's really about her sister yeah and they kind of try to mirror that at the end of the episode with like it really being about Blair and Serena's friendship and it just doesn't work because you're taking apples and oranges. Like, you're really just trying to cram one fruit inside of the other and make a fruit salad when it's like, no, I just I just wanted to eat the apple by itself. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they were doing by intercutting it was that they were trying to show, like, the inspiration uh, of the 80s in the current day fashion. Like, they were trying to make Zoinks. it look sexy and make it look cool. And one of the dumbest things, one of the dumbest things they did, and this is this is when, you know, some suit showed up to the writer's room and this is somebody's idea going, yeah, you know, it would be a good idea. And it wasn't. And I say this as someone who really loves the person I'm about to drag. Oh and this is weird because I've been talking about them a lot lately What's on this podcast. But the musical guest on the episode is No Doubt. Oh, yeah, it's weird. Which is so weird because they're, it's 2008, I think. And it's like, why is No Doubt playing a band in the 80s? And they sound very contemporary. <laughs> they don't sound like, they don't have an 80s sound. Like when I think of No Doubt, I'm like, that's a ska band. And I don't think of the 80s. I think of the 90s. And so. I get what they were going with it, but like they should have just trusted their audiences and just get, like have the episodes st- like if you want to do a back pilot backdoor pilot and then we're we know that we're like in Lily's head reflecting, fine. But like just trust us to be there. Trust us to be there. Don't make me go to a prom with you during this episode. Just let me be in the 80s. And if you want to stunt cast it with some band, don't have it be like the, one of the most iconic bands of the 90s when you're trying to make me think of the 80s. The late 90s, no less. Yeah. I was like, that's rude. But like, but I get so mad about this because it would have been such a good show because it would have been such a great platform to have musical guests. And think of all of the hot, dilfy 80s stars that we could have had guest spotting. I mean, that's the that's the real tragedy. That's the real disaster. Absolutely. The, the lost anyway. dilf. Right, but I kind of wanted to, Caitlin, you kind of, this sort of brings up something that yours also brought up, and something I just wanted to sort of, like, open the floor to is, as fun as backdoor pilots are, because I do think they're really fun, they do seem to really suffer because it really, at the end of the day, is a network wanting to save money and not trusting the artists, not trusting the audiences enough. And so because of that, you get this sort of, like, compromised, it, oftentimes it's a compromised pilot. Yeah. Sometimes they work, but but most of the time it's compromised. And so I just I'm thoughts on that. Any anything about, you know, compromising the idea? I mean, for the reason why I I was attracted to this topic and I I agree, uh, Valley Girls totally lost uh, opportunity there Um, Mm -hmm. is for the most part is is sort of my celebration of things that just aren't very good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, things that are cheesy, things that are dated, things that like 
like they just don't work. Like uh, I was doing a little research on this myself and mm-hmm. I came across uh, the nanny uh, yes. backdoor pilot oh, called the Chatterbox. Yes, I saw that one. <gasps> yeah. And then, and then I saw uh, a Sabrina the Teenage Witch backdoor pilot about like a reform school for wayward witches. And yep. Mr. Sheffield was in that. So it, it was like this weird little universe of like cheesiness. Like they could be, you know, they could have these weird little episodes where like they share with each other. And yeah, they're just they're just bad little short films featuring characters you kind of know. Yeah, I think they're <laughs> um, yes, they're to save money because you're going to use the existing production team of a, a show that's already running. And they're they're just very um they're just very money-driven projects because yeah, yeah. like for instance kelly's kids one thing i learned from the ken Berry interview is that part of the reason they made kelly's kids at all was that they were considering uh starting primetime television at 7 30 so they were going to give mm-hmm. that slot to sherwood schwartz and he had to come up with something very family friendly to come before brady brunch so it was like got you or it was creating around the time slot Versus, like, what's a good idea? Yeah. It is just so interesting to think about how, unfortunately, like, it is a business, right? And, like, and I was reading all about, I guess one of the reasons I think about this backdoor pilot so often is because it made, it, it was so talked about so positively before it happened. Like, it was one of those things where, like, CW was kind of, like, having a moment. Mm-hmm. They were doing really well in the ratings. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, this it was like it wasn't like if is this going to air it was like yeah when the gossip girl spinoff happens like it was like it felt like it was like take it to the bank it's happening um and they went there was like so many different articles i think it was like variety i don't deadline maybe i don't remember but it was like network goes from hot to lukewarm to uh and it was like so funny and i think a big part of it though was they got so excited about some of the casting and they think like Britney Snow was having a moment and didn't really want to do TV anymore, but they like convinced her to do it. And like they grabbed a bunch of people hot off of like Veronica Mars with Ryan Hansen and Kristen. Um, wow. I just blanked on her name. Ritter. Kristen Ritter and Chris Ritter. Um, and I think they, pro- and like Andrew McCarthy, I'm sure wasn't cheap. So I think they probably like, it was going to cost them so much to get the talent they wanted that they were like, Oh shit, we better. And then because of that, they ruined they yeah. ruined it, right? So then they ended up wasting all that money anyways. What you're saying is like making me have horrible PTSD for meeting with execs. Like the idea of like, well, we're worried they won't like it. So we'll make it worse. Yeah, and right. present make it, it bad. And present it like we'll cut away from the prom of Gossip Girl, something our audience cares about, and make them mad to watch this. <laughs> It's just such a weird mentality and it's like it goes against every everything in your artists like and instinct. how pissed are you or if you're the creative producers behind Valley Girls that really wanted to see it succeed you heard all those notes and then the CW comes out with um, the Carrie Diaries. <gasps> That's what I was going to oh say. Insane, insane, and then they have this watered down, shitty version of what it. Which, oh God, it just makes know, me is so the angry. To Sex in the City that also takes place in the eighties for a teenage Carrie Bradshaw. So bad, it's so bad. I've seen every episode, but it's so bad. Anyways, I'm just saying, I I really think they were onto something here because I think they you had your finger on the pulse. You knew what we wanted was nostalgia. You knew you what we wanted. There. 
you were almost there. Like they were seeing the trends. Like they had all the pieces. It could have worked, but the people in charge are dumb. Word. And that's that's an amazing presentation, yeah. Lauren. Um, Gina, so any final thoughts on backdoor pilots? Any anything that the group has come to some sort of synthesis on <laughs> this wonderful? You topic? know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it 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 felt to me like this was like a relic, but um, but. You know, there are like NCIS and like all of the mm-hmm. Dick Wolf shows and all these shows they've sort of built into each other. Uh, but I think that with the continued trend towards streaming that I think the backdoor pilot is is probably going to be a relic. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I so today we to, even though even though it has in these interconnected universes of TV shows now, it has gone a renaissance. I, I think that the writing's on the wall and like we're standing a dinosaur uh, right yeah. now. So wow. we can stand, you know, the the art form, the sort of bastardized art form, but it's, it's something that's going to pass from the earth. Right. And what I think is yeah. already gone is really the failed backdoor pilot because if they're going to do a backdoor yeah. pilot mm-hmm. now, it's going to have so much money behind it that it will get at least one season. True. You're not going to get like the chatterbox episode of the nanny that never to be seen again. But, but we did get that weird, stupid backdoor pilot in Stranger Things. Oh yeah, we are where 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 seven goes and like hangs out with the punk rockers. Oh, then oh my god, was that (laughs) an episode? Yeah, that was a backdoor pilot that they yeah wanted to make, and then Netflix like no, this is this is not good. This is not what we want. but they had the episode. Thank you, Netflix. Once again, I do think, but Uh, I do think it it worked for Stranger Things because um because it's an '80s show, right? So having like having like a back. Like a back, even pilot, yeah, just as like a you know, in as like a this 80s universe kind of works right in its own. They can weird be like, way. Hey, it was a genre move. It wasn't just the thing we really yeah. wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, you're so exactly. right, Gina. That streaming is really killing this because you know one of the things that I think was so interesting is um, a lot of showrunners have said it's different getting notes from a streaming service than a network because the data that they collect is so irrefutable because like netflix can come with you and be like no we know exactly the minute people like skip like the data that they have is just like different and so that is so fascinating they can be like yeah we tried it but like 18 million people fast forward it or skip this episode you know what i mean it's so different my show netflix (laughs) listen to me well, yeah. Well, when the three of us pitch backdoor pilot, which is just a yes. bunch of it's an, an- anthology, an anthology series. series of backdoor pilots. <laughs> Love to create yeah. that. Every episode is a new backdoor pilot with characters from other series. But the ones we don't know also. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. We start tonight. There, right. As soon as we hit we got to we, we got to wrap, wrap this up, up. cuz we have a yeah we have to wrap the podcast up because we have to get started on the writers yes. room for backdoor. Uh, Gina, um, our listeners who've fallen in love with you, where can they find more Gina Bloom? They can find uh more Gina Bloom on Twitter and Instagram at Gina Bloom J E E N A B L O O M and uh right here on the More Banana Network. Uh in fact, one could argue this show was a backdoor pilot of my show wow. because you were on it. <gasps> Wow. Wow. You know, wow. It all comes, it full, all comes circle. full circle. Absolutely. And I have to say, I just tallied up my notes on your rubric, and Gina, you're still a goddamn delight. Wow. Well, thank and you. And she's a tough grader. Thank you. 
I am. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, My show is called Sweet Ladies Guide to Real Culture. Uh, You can listen to you can listen to your stands. We talk about um, Big Trouble in Little China from last season uh, and uh, all of all of bro culture uh, throughout. I guess the rest of June. I don't know. Whenever I feel like giving it up, uh, <laughs> yeah, is when it. Will well, end. we'll be sh- we'll be sharing links to that episode and more on our social media. So make sure you're following us at We Stand Social. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're all over the place. Also, email us. We want to hear from you. We stand social at gmail.com let us know what topics you want us to get into also we have a virtual book club if you want to be a part of it email us at we stand social at gmail.com to get on the mailing list we're diving into pop culture's greatest works of art like this month we read lauren conrad's novel la mm-hmm. candy uh slide into caitlin's personal Absolutely. dms to talk to You're her about it there. because she had a and if you would like to be a cool person like shell please leave a five-star review and we will stand it at the top of the show well we all have to get to our writer's <laughs> room uh for backdoor pilots uh but we've been we stand together this has been another evening of dumb topics with smart people uh thanks for listening Hi, my name is Gina Bloom, and I am the host of the brand new podcast, Sweet, A Lady's Guide to Bro Culture. I, a transgender female comedian in New York City, bring uh, some of my favorite funny ladies into the male-dominated pop culture of the past 20 years. Movies that I grew up on when I was growing up male that I still love and sometimes loathe to this date. We watch Rocky movies. We watch Patrick Swayze action movies. We listen to Insane Clown Posse records. We do it all, and we regret it sometimes, and sometimes it's pretty amazing. Here's some clips from season one. Really good, doesn't it? But you're still alive, right? Yeah! Because then I was talking to these two guys. I was like, I haven't seen Fight Club. I'm like, what? You haven't seen Fight Club? I'm like, you haven't seen Elf, so we're the same. Exactly. <laughs> um, Elf <laughs> These is are wonderful. both classics. Both classic movies, and there's no excuse for either one of us. I think you'd be surprised at the uh, broad taste of Juggalos. Like, there are a few people that I see at concerts, but I don't even know their name, but I get so excited when I see them, and, you know, we, like, hang out and talk, but I couldn't tell you his fucking name right now. I can tell you what he looks like. He's uh, white. <laughs> Usually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's taking care of their kid? He's, like, the watching robot. TV with his the two robot. best friends. The actual like, robot. Because oh, yeah, the robot's behind them, like, with, with pizza. You can find Sweet, A Lady's Guide to Bro Culture on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And you can follow me, Gina Bloom, on Twitter and Instagram at Gina Bloom or on the web at GinaBloomDoesComedy.com. Hey, even the Mona Lisa's falling apart. <laughs>